Welcome in to another edition of the Time of the Keg podcast, episode 445. Charlie and Mitch are here. A morning podcast. I think, I don't know, this might be our first that we have ever taped in a morning. I I can't recall if we've ever, uh, maybe like when I was like unemployed or I had like a part-time job and I would come over to your house on Prospect. We might have done some morning pods, but I think even then we would do the afternoon. Uh, Mitch is here, uh, as always. Yeah. Um, I, I, is this our first morning pod that we've ever done? It probably is. I think we've done, and if it, like you said, if we have done one, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we did one on a Sunday that was not terribly late. Was that like last winter? Yeah, it was snow, snow, snow day. Was, yeah, yeah. Going at like maybe, but even that was like two or three in the afternoon, I think, because it just worked out where the Packers might have been like on a on a buy in the playoffs or something. I think and, the Packers were done. I think it was like middle of February, and just there was the Bucks weren't playing, and they I think might have had a big game on Monday or something like that. And yeah, it was snowing like crazy, and we just taped the pod, which was great. And then David yeah. Sturt, that was the one where David Sturt made me look like a dick um, right after because I was bitching about just the Brewers and the lack of moves and Colton Long gets signed like two days later. So there you go. Yeah. You know, what yeah, do you got? Well, that, that was, turned, turned out to be a pretty good move. However, yeah. you know, not enough, but yeah, right. Uh, but I digress. So uh, today's show, we're going to talk, we're going to rank a bunch of stuff. Uh, we've done this in the past. Um, we're going to rank playoff opponents who we least like to see for the Packers. We're going to talk about uh, NBA moves that would, I wouldn't say scare us, but would provide more of a challenge for the Bucks. And then talk about the best moments in 2021. Because um, why not? It's the end of the year. Um, Mitch, hanging out. I'm not even going to ask you how you are, because I know uh, you're unfortunately one of those that pop positive uh, around the holiday mm-hmm. break. So hope yeah. it's hope it, it went as well as, as it could. Uh, and I know I contributed with a little whiskey and cookies. So hopefully that, that, that was uh, part of the cure. Well, yeah. And we, and we thank you for that. Uh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been, uh, you know, good as can be, I suppose. I mean, I still talk to my dad, like pretty much every day throughout this process. Um, just, he's just, you know, not overly concerned, but just wants to make sure since I do live by myself that, you know, I'm not lying face down in the middle of the, you know, living room or something. Yeah. I think it's more or less one of those, which I don't think that my, my case is that strong. So symptoms have been mild throughout and I'm like a week, a week out from being from testing positive. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, and I've, I have, tested positive a couple times since then so you know i feel fine but for the most part but it uh you know that's a whole nother podcast so, right I mean, you I, it's, might as well it, leave it there it's surprising that uh i know you're not one to share a lot on on the socials but it's surprised that you didn't uh tweet out or put on instagram that you checked in the health and safety protocols um i felt mm, like that's well, that's it's a layup you know yeah it is but I don't need anyone's anyone's thoughts and prayers. So, I, mean, uh, I, I love know. it. I, no, I get it. No, no, no. I I hear you. I I am not one to share a bunch of shit on social media. Like personally. that is that I, I'm. I learned a long time ago that 
fishing for compliments on social media is very annoying. Oh, so, God. It's... and that's, and, and, and yes, I, I could have jumped on the train. I could have, I could have tweeted on Wednesday or Thursday last week that, you know, I test positive and, you know, I'm going to not be able to see my dad for Christmas and yada, yada, yada. And probably gotten, you know, a half a dozen responses on Twitter. And mm-hmm. you know, then I would have had to say thank you to a bunch of people. And <laughs> this is that, like, you know, it's like, the, don't really know me. And yeah. it's like, I don't really care. So nothing's, um, nothing's worse than congratulations, Twitter. When a big J gets a new job and they're like, I've decided to work for the New Orleans Times Picune. And it's like everybody's like, Congrats. Oh, so happy for you. It's well, like, my my favorite is, and I I don't know, I don't know if it's contractually they can't, but you get the you get the tweet of I'm leaving this job. Oh yeah. And, and then they say, But I can't tell you where I'm going. Or <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, that's or, or they, they, they they omit that part and then like two weeks later it's a it's a post about you know, hey guys, I know I've been been missing for a while, but this is my next step. And sometimes it's it's either you know a competing station or a, they're moving to a different market or whatever, covering a different team, right. or they're getting out of the industry altogether, or like you know, you know, going to work for a team or something like that, which is always interesting to me. Oh yeah, um, the Sam Smiths of the world, but, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, or or it's, or it's like uh, I got I was part of the layoffs, guys. Like, and then it's like, oh, oh. crushed for you, like, and it's like, <laughs> dude, I, I fucking hate journalists. I just do. Why well, I never actually was one. I'm so glad I never actually became a journalist, even though I spent a lot of money on my major. What are you gonna do? You know, what, what are you, what are you going to do? It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to just two guys talking who used to be, who were journalist majors, who can still do a podcast here and there. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, they are getting ready to ramp up for the playoffs. They got two games left. Minnesota Vikings and what will be a very cold game at Lambeau Field. I don't know if Al Michaels is going to freeze. Um, it's going to be right around zero. Um, so if you are going to the game, bundle up. Um, it will not be a will not be a warm one there at uh, the frozen tundra. Uh, will live up to its namesake. They play the Vikings and then they play the Detroit Lions. If things break the right way, the Packers could clinch the number one overall seed. I think they need the Cowboys to lose for that to happen. Um, and if the Packers were to clinch the one seed then you could get an extra week of rest for Aaron Rodgers and that funky toe. Um, but we'll see what happens. So obviously you get to play, you're looking at the playoff standings, you're looking at who could be in the playoffs and you start thinking about, well, what teams do you want your team to face and what teams do you kind of not want to face? Um, back in 2020, uh, Mitch and I talked at length about how different sport, but how the Packers, or not the Packers, sorry, the Bucs, didn't need to face Miami. Now, Miami was the worst matchup for the Bucs, and lo and behold, Miami beat the Bucs pretty handily in the bubble series in what I think everyone now is calling a Mickey Mouse season. I would agree. But still, we, we prophetically saw the lights that Miami was going to be a problem if they faced the Bucs. So 
Mitch, number one, who who is that one team for you? And then I'll give you a team, and we'll just kind of keep going back and forth till we exhaust. AFC, NFC, who's the got team that you think you least want to see right now? Mm. Least want to see right now between either conference. I guess it's still the Buccaneers. Okay. I know that sure. I know that there's that they've lost some weapons and um I'm sure you've talked yourself into the Packers beating the Buccaneers, Charlie. I mean, but, Mitch, I think we're gonna beat everybody. You know this. I, well, true. But <laughs> and I'm not I'm not like I guess disclaimer, am I really losing sleep over anyone? I, I don't know. I, I think the Packers are you know, not a perfect team, but they are probably the best team in the NFL as we speak right now. So, I mean, I do think that they're probably better than any of these teams that we're going to discuss today. But if I had to pick one team and one player to be afraid of, it's Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I just, it's, it's, they came into Lambeau last year, the Lambeau mystique, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Okay. All right, I'll but, let you continue. I'll let you continue. <laughs> I have a thought on that, but I'm gonna let you continue. Go, go on. Uh, my, I, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Michael Vick ended that. But uh, okay, <laughs> just just go on, go on, continue. I, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, and then you know the way they rush the passer, and um, they. I know their secondary's not been anything this year, but. Um, I think rushing the passer and the way they've done it, especially when they did it the way they figured things out last year down the stretch, you know, they've kind of hung around. They've had some bad games. Uh, namely, they just they can't beat the Saints for whatever reason. Tom Brady cannot beat the Saints. But overall, the Buccaneers, I think until I see it, right, and I hate to do that, but until I see it, I, I, have, to, I have to say that I'm most afraid of Tampa Bay. Um, because they, I mean, they probably will see them. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that's going to be a good one to watch. I mean, Tom Brady has lost in the playoffs before. I think this idea that Tom Brady never loses in the playoffs is kind of mm-hmm. fraudulent at best. Like he's had some playoff losses. Um, usually, he takes his team as far as they can go. Um, I think he exhausts his resources better than really anybody in football. Um, I do worry about Tampa Bay. I do think Tampa Bay has a ton of guys that can give you problems. I would say that secondary is really beat up and more beat up than they were last year. Now they think they could get some guys back for the postseason, similar to Packers really. And that could help things that could make a, a real difference on, on what they have in that defensive backfield. Uh, yeah. The pass rush is an issue, but I mean, I was worried about Cleveland's pass rush with Jadavian Clowney and the supposedly the defensive player of the year. I know Miles Garrett was hurt, but like Aaron Rodgers' jersey was fucking clean. And they had a basically a ragtag bunch of offensive linemen in there. So yeah, I and I some just, of that is some of that's gotta be game plan and, and right, Rodgers' ability to, right. to get rid and of the ball. And I just think that like the whole reason they struggled against Tampa's pass rush last year was because they didn't have enough time working together like they have this year because David Bakhtiari had just been out, you know, it really was like two weeks. They hadn't gelled. They hadn't necessarily come all together um, as it did, you know, this year. And I think the guy like Josh Neiman has played so well that I'm not, I'm not that nervous, honestly, about that pass rush. 
I mean, I'm nervous about Brady because he's a killer. He's Michael Myers, man. He doesn't die. Um, it's it would be ignorant for me. Their offensive line's great too. Tampa's offensive line's best in football. So Brady stays protected. It's hard to get a pass rush on Brady. And Joe Barry has seen some struggles, and Tom Brady can pick that apart. So I, I, I all of your concerns are warranted. I just look at Tampa, and I just am curious what they'll look like against a good team with maybe their limited parts. So no, no uh, Leonard Fournette, obviously no Godwin. Maybe Mike Evans, maybe not. But Mike Evans, when he has a soft tissue injury, it seems like it plagues him forever and ever. If you've ever had Mike Evans in fantasy and had him dealing with a soft tissue because it's frustrating as fuck. Um, my team, I, I do want to go back to Lambo. See, I forgot, but I'll go back to it later. Um, Lambo, my number, my number two team that I would put there. So if you're going Tampa, I would say second. I would draft Dallas. Dallas just playing really well right now. I I'm glad that we get to see Dallas against a good team. Now I think Arizona is in a complete free fall and Steve Wojciechowski's Mark Heckwold and Eagles have taught me when you're in a free fall, usually you don't get out of a free fall. Um, Cause I watched it for Wojo for years where they would start hot and then they just fall apart down the stretch. And that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals seem to do. Um, they're they're They've been really bad. And so maybe this is not the best sample size, but it will at least let us see Dallas against a better opponent than what we've seen the last few weeks. And I think the national media drives up the Dallas hype, but it's hard to ignore Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard potentially running all over the Green Bay Packers. Now the question is, would Mike McCarthy kind of get swat, you know, swallowed up in the in the events and then just take away the running game and forget that he can run on the Green Bay Packers. I don't know. Um, and and also, too, like Dallas's defense, have they really seen a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers? I The best quarterback they've faced has been Justin Herbert. I mean, in week two, that's, that's something else. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about Dallas? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not super – ready to go to like where the national media wants to put Dallas right now. I think after beating Washington 56 to 14, and it probably wasn't even that close. Right. You know, I'm kind of going through the Eagles schedule here, or excuse me, the Cowboys schedule. And, you know. It's pretty soft. Yeah. they, They probably, they probably, and you can do this to probably anyone, but they probably have more bad losses than good wins. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their best win is probably Minnesota. Uh, winning winning in New England, I think it matters. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Yo, but true. Just, they gave man, up 30... – that, that shit was – that was two months ago. Right, I and mean... they gave up 39 points in that game. Like, they, it wasn't like they played, you know, defensively all that well. They just won a shootout. And they had the ball last. Simply put, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, like I said, there's there's no perfect team, and I think Dallas yeah. probably is playing playing pretty good right now. I, I think right now I probably would agree with you, but <laughs> as as has been the case all season, really, you know, your opinion of teams changes pretty much on a week to week basis. Except for the Packers, they've pretty much stayed right stayed strong throughout the year. Um, now, I mean, the Packers, we could. I know we're not really picking them apart, but, you know, I don't think the defense has, has done a 
fantastic job the last few weeks, but I don't know. Yeah, they've re- they've definitely regressed. I think I think right now they just have to figure out how can we get Rashawn Gary to not collapse every time and same with Preston Smith. And what do we need to work on? How do we need to fix that? Do we need to put some other guys over there to kind of prevent that? You know, how, what kind of defense do we need to do? That's right now the biggest concern with the Packers. And if they're not. um, Are are you, so are you concerned with, you know, there's, there's this thing that like the Packers can never stop a a quarterback that runs. uh Uh-huh. Right. That's, that's like a kind of a narrative. Right. To me, that's to, I compare that to like three point defense yeah. for like the, for the box where it's like, it's, it's very fucking hard to stop a quarterback that runs. Yeah. And it's also very, very hard to stop a team that's making 35 footers like Max Struess that night. Yeah. You're not stopping that dude. Like, right. I'm sorry. And like, do you know how hard it is to stop a quarterback that like nobody does? It's impossible. Right. I mean, unless, unless you, unless you have 11, you know, 22 eyeballs on the quarterback, which you're not going to do at all times. Cause right. then you, it'd be way worse for you. Like, I think it's just, it's kind of one of those things where like you have to sort of, it's just, it, you know, I don't want to say let it happen, but it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. When, if a guy has 150, 200 yards on you, that's a problem. But and if they're, if they're scrambling here and there and they have, they have 80 or 90 rushing yards, like I'm not going to kill myself because my defense gave up 80 or nine. Now, if, if there's a backbreaking touchdown, I know throughout the years, Colin Kaepernick, where, you know, it, I, I think people get mad because it's like, you know, he's going to do this, but like every quarterback runs now. There are no statues. Right. Right. And well, Matt Stafford, but um, <laughs> they, Tom Brady. They're, um, the, the thing is, is a lot of these guys don't even want to run. Like they like see Robert Griffin and all his injuries and like they don't want to run. Like Dak Prescott has had a calf issue and like, he can certainly run the football and certainly be an issue, but he doesn't really run anymore. He doesn't run as much as he used to. And I think it's because he wants to protect his, his dollars. He wants to protect his brand and like, whatever, good for him. But like, I don't think San Francisco makes my list now because Jimmy G's sounds like he's going to be out for the year. And I understand that Trey Lance could be a problem, but do you really think a rookie who wasn't ready to play all year can come into Lambeau or really come into any place on the road and win a football game. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like so much would have to go right uh, for that to happen. And then similarly, who also won't make the list is Philadelphia because again, Philly's just getting fat on bad teams and good for them. Like whatever, that's, that's good. Like it's what you should do. But I feel when Philly played Tampa, they got their asses kicked when Philly played uh, Dallas, they got their asses kicked. Like whenever Philly seems to play a good team, they get their asses kicked. It's all right. They're they're like a better version of the Falcons. That Falcons have done the same shit all year. So like, I, and Philly runs the ball a lot, but like I'm not gonna lose sleep over either of those teams right now, just because they're they just are not as good as the Packers, and they're not at the level where it's like any given Sunday. Yeah, maybe, but I still think if we were to set a Vegas line. For either of those teams, the Packers are easily favored by seven, and probably against Philly, they're favored by ten or nine. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. At home, maybe. Yeah, no, at home, at home. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm at, I'm saying if they're at Lambeau, like it was a normal, like 
year. Well, we can ask NMM about that um, later and see what he would set the line. I'm trying for. to look at the Packers, the Packers best win, probably at Arizona. And, I mean, um, yeah, they have at our, the San Francisco win is really good. Um, that's also a good win. That was on the road. Um, I would say the Baltimore win, even though it was Tyler Huntley, that's not an easy place to win a football game. Um, the at Cincinnati. Since yeah, that game was nuts, but that that was one I would say deserved to win that one. That's that was a good win. I mean, the Packers Rams. have the oh the Rams win was I think probably their best win because you look at that score and you're like oh it was a shootout. It's like no, Green Bay fucking drilled the Rams and they were they were up by multiple scores and the Rams made it look pretty late. But yeah, that was to me easily the best. But yeah, I. I worry a little bit about Dallas. Um, do you have a, a number three team um, in this mix of like where you're like, okay, this team also could give give the Packers fits? Well, Kansas City has won eight in a row. Yeah, you can't you can't ignore them. I they would have probably been my next team. I, I think it's hard. Yeah, it's hard not to ignore what Kansas City is doing right now. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely figured some things out. I think they're their defense was historically bad. And then now it's probably come back to the middle of the pack a little bit. I don't think they're like their defense is intimidating or anything like that, but they it's, I think it's been a lot of the defense where, I mean, I know the offense for Kansas city has looked better probably since that Packer game. Um, you know, their scoring is way up and overall they're getting, seems like they're getting their guys back normal. I know Kelsey was – he didn't play this, this week, right? Right. He was down with COVID, yeah. Right. So, um, maybe he'll be back next week. But I think he's starting to starting to turn the corner. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why they were – they looked so weird at the first 10 weeks of the season. But, um, yeah, I think probably because their defense was so bad, they couldn't – It was – You know – it was a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. It was I, I yeah. heard the uh, I heard the part of my take boys talk about how it was reminiscent of like some of those old New England teams, right? Where like three weeks in, four weeks in, we're throwing dirt on them. We're like, oh, they're done. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yada yada, and then they rip yeah. off how many games straight? Wow. And some of those, some of those New England teams, it was at, they'd start zero and two, and it it would be oh yeah, complete DefCon one. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I mean, the thing that scares me about Kansas City is watching the Packers against Baltimore and Mark Andrews just absolutely tearing them up. And I know they played Kansas City already this year, but like the thought of Travis Kelsey just dominating Darnell Savage like gives me the chills like that. <laughs> That, that scares me. Like, I think they can hang with Tyreek Hill. I think Eric Stokes is fast enough. I think Jair is fast enough to hang with Tyreek Hill. I'm not worried about either of those guys. I think the only thing the Packers have going for them against Kansas City is they're very opportunistic defensively. And Mahomes is going to make, you know, a couple throws that are, you know, he gives you an, a chance at an interception. And I think that helps Green Bay in that type of game. I really do. Um, but I, I would imagine if the Packers and Chiefs are in the Super Bowl in SoFi, which is just a fast stadium, it seems like a lot of points happen there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's first to 40 wins. I think the over under would be probably an all time high for the Super Bowl because 
it would be it would be a wet dream for NBC, put it that way. NBC would legit come themselves if it's Packers Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah, because you'd finally get Rodgers Mahomes, you'd right. think. Yeah. Um, you know. But well, by the way, I was thinking as I say that that um Rodgers can't be tested for COVID, right? Until like the conference championship game or something. Uh yeah, that's correct. So he has ninety days. Like it's so ninety days from his return or whatever. Yeah, so um, his his first game, so that was the thirteenth. Um, so that let's see. So I think he was back thir- Saturday the thirteenth of November. So if that were the case, then thirteenth of December is one month, thirteenth of January is two months. So that would be sixty. And then the Super Bowl is the uh the ninety day threshold, literally the day of the Super Bowl. Yeah. So he should be good. Um, you would think, and, and I, I would be, uh, stunned if Goodell would let that happen. Mitch, I think, I think we've seen at at least some of the stories that came out, that weird story about the Bucks and COVID. Um, it, 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 I think when the playoffs happen, everything kind of goes out the fucking window. Um, there's no way are they going to want guys to miss because of COVID. They just won't. Not during the Super Bowl. No, they, they yeah, don't, they, they, don't the they don't really, they don't really care. I mean, they, you know, they'll pretend to care, but they don't, they don't really care about the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's just when you start messing with, with the real money. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, you bring up that buck story. We probably talked about it before too. It's like, <laughs> that was, that was such a non-story. Yeah, for like, those who are there's real there, quick. there's a reason it there's a reason it didn't blow up because it was <laughs> it, it was a from it, you're from the Rolling Stone. Um, can you tell the people, from Rolling Stone? Can you just tell the people for those who are unfamiliar what that story was so they don't? Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was probably a forty page story about um, how the gist of it was they sort of got a little lax on their, on their in-house protocols where they, mm-hmm. they took an extra plane to, to Phoenix where for friends and family so that, um, you know, their friends and family could be at the game and they technically weren't supposed to do that. And then some people in the organization were like terrified that Giannis was going to get COVID because they, they, they were unsure of his, his vaccination status at that time. And, you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, but it, you know, you were kind of expecting it to be that there was some big cover up, you know, from the NBA or from the team that you know, Giannis did have COVID or something. But really, it was, I guess, the the main point of the story was that the, the team was terrified he was going to get COVID because they were being a little a little lax in their in their in their approach to to COVID and all that. But at that time, you know, COVID was dead. That was, well, that, was yeah, like, Delta. that was like the one month where we where we got everything pretty much 100% back to normal. Right. And um, so I'm really mad at him. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's that's just, you know, if any team would have, would do that in that situation, the Suns probably did too. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, it's kind of funny that the Rolling Stone has tried to do these like two big NBA hit pieces and both of them have kind of felt fallen flat. Like they did the Kyrie uh, unvaccinated story about how he was trying to influence people in the league to not get vaccinated. And again, it just kind of was a big tree. If like a tree falls in the forest, do you hear it? 
like that's kind of how that story went too. It's just you're the Rolling Stones. Unfortunately, like you don't have like the power that ESPN or even Fox yields where you can go on these national talk shows and talk through it. Like if Baxter Holmes, who is a little bit of a COVID doomer, if he comes out with that story about Giannis, like then it's, yeah, it's going to probably blow up, but you're the Rolling Stones. You're not, you're just not relevant anymore. Sorry. Happens. Well, it's um, a music magazine. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, they're trying, they're trying to be so much more than that nowadays, but that's another story for another time. All right. I, I, I will just say last. So we have a four. So we both have two. Um, I'm not really worried about the Rams. I was worried about the 49ers. Um, not really concerned about Arizona. I will lob in Tennessee just from the fact of they could get Derrick Henry back. Packers have struggled against the run. I realize they kicked the shit out of Tennessee um, last year, but last year is last year. Tennessee's defense is much improved from last season. Um, I just think they, they, as an underdog, they thrive in that role. I'll be really fascinated to see how they play against Miami this week because, A, this is Miami's first, like, real game against real competition in weeks. Um, they have not played a soul, but also Tennessee as a favorite is not as good as Tennessee, the underdog. So I'll be just curious. Um, I would just lob them in as a, a team that might give the Packers a little bit of problems, even though they've had some success. Sure. Sure. No, uh, no Buffalo or new England. No. Um, I think Buff. I think new England is too young. I just look at them and, you know, but it, you know, the way Buffalo played, I was really surprised at how well Buffalo played without Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. Um, and I thought, I basically, that was my lesson to be, and I've kind of learned this in NBA too, in terms of handicapping and things like that, where I'm like, you know what, like COVID matters to a sense, but like teams can still win, even with a bunch of guys in protocol. Like, look at the Timberwolves. Cool. It doesn't look, matter as long as you have, your, as long as you have your quarterback. Right. And, and that's basically what happened there. And off. even, and even then, like, <laughs> even then Carson Wentz going out for the Colts, like, you know, they are a running football team. You yeah. know, Carson Wentz does, doesn't do anything that, you know, it, they're, they're not going to be losing much w- without him. I, you know, I don't know. Their backups are pretty garbage too, but I don't know. As long as, as long as, you know, as long as the Bills have Josh Allen, they're probably going to be all right, just because he's so important to what, to what they do, where, you know, he's, you know, they, they, they don't run the ball. He is their running game, which is a huge problem for them. Um, and, you know, receivers are only as, as good as the quarterback throwing the ball to them. Sorry, Devontae. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Devontae Adams is very good, but, I mean, he's he he does help benefit from Aaron Rodgers, no question. And, you know, he was okay with Jordan Love, but and, – and I, I don't doubt that he, he probably could be better with a few – you know, consecutive games with Jordan Love, build the chemistry. It's tough to come in cold, basically, with a new quarterback. I get that. But, um, you know, receivers are only as good as how many times they get the ball. So <clears throat> I'll just say that. Whereas a quarterback, you know, controls everything and is very, very important to, to what a team does. So as long as you have your quarterback. And, like, Buffalo was kind of in a kitchen sink situation 
mm-hmm. I think where they needed to they needed to pay back New England for that bullshit that happened a couple weeks earlier, where it just was an awful weather game, and they were unable to handle it. Unlike New England, who you know, and, and they had to you know they had to keep pace. Yeah, so, and you could make the case that Buffalo has turned the corner and that they're they're on their way, and that maybe they become like the second hottest team in football. Like someone did say, I forget who said this, where it's like there's a realistic chance that like the NFL's Final Four could be exactly like the Final Four of last year. It could be Tampa, Green Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, and it wouldn't really be surprising. Yeah. It'd be uh, to me like. I like new blood. Obviously, I want the Packers to stay there. But, like, I think it's more fun for the NFL if it's Tennessee, Kansas City, or if it's Tennessee, Cincinnati, or Buffalo, Cincinnati, or, you know, yeah. I don't know, New England's involved. Um, well, it's funny. I, it's, you know, you hear, you hear about how much parity there is in the NFL, and then at the end of the day, it's usually right. some combination of, like, six teams that make it to, like, yeah. the championship games. You know, that, that, that were expected, I should say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just because, you know, these teams have bad losses throughout the year and whatnot. That that makes it exciting. But, you know, Tom Brady's are there every fucking year. That's why the Packers that, are pretty much there every year. Kansas why, City the last three or four years. Yeah. You know, that's it's the same five teams. No, I hear you. And that's why I didn't agree with, like, Ben Solak from the Raiders. who's like, oh, there's no good teams. And I'm like, yeah, they're maybe not, like, you know, a great team, but they're – there are teams that are going to be there at the end of it because they just, that's, that's what they are. It's who they are. And they've kind of, they're able to rise from the ashes. Like I know people are getting excited about the Rams again, but like if Minnesota has a competent offense, they beat the Rams pretty easily. And because Minnesota has a dog shit offense and they continue to not play well in December and January, like the record, I think they're what, like 16 and 19 under Zimmer in December and January, I think they just get burned out from his bullshit. And, you know, Justin Jefferson. Has I don't think their, their offense is, is not that bad. No, I, I don't disagree, but it, they, they couldn't do anything against the right. Like Stanford, Stafford turned the ball over three times. They had the opportunities. Yeah. They just didn't capitalize is what I, what I'm saying. Well, Packers got Tom Brady to throw three picks in the NFC championship. Game. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, hear you. I hear sometimes you. it just, it happens. I'm not. I'm not going to defend and act like Kirk Cousins is some some great quarterback, but I mean, their offense is still pretty decent. Um, yeah, no. Bef- before we move to uh, basketball, since we spent way too much time on this, uh, real quick, do you think that Minnesota playing in a dome, but living in Minnesota, affects them from like a weather standpoint? So going into Lambeau, if it's like zero degrees, do you think that actually affects? Minnesota, or do you think it doesn't matter? I, I, it probably affects them. They're probably a, they're used to playing in a dome. I think it affects everybody. I think it affects the Packer players. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, I guess we never got to the Lambo Mystique thing. But oh yeah, no, it, my just, my point of that was really quick. Like my point of that was just that that was not a true Lambo game because there was half a stadium. It was just not a full stadium. And I think a full oh. stadium is much different than a half stadium. And you're right. Well, that right. You're, you're right that there is some of that, but the Packers have been excellent at home. I mean, Matt LaFleur's record at home 
is otherworldly. I think he's only lost like two or three games at home for his, his first three years. Like they, it's loud as hell in there. And I've said it on this podcast, but like when I went to that Seattle game, I was like 13 rows up. Like we stood for a, a pretty significant amount of time. I would say probably upwards of 75% of that game. We were on our feet. We weren't, we weren't sitting down. So like, I think some of the, like to the other spectrum, I think it's been on both sides. Like I think people overdid it for a while and then people are like, well, everyone sits down, everyone yells at you and you should be able to stand up. And so it swung all the way to the other. Now I think it's kind of more in that middle where, yeah, it's not, yeah, anyone can win in there. But I, I do think there is a, there are people at least this year appreciate what they have because they didn't have it last year, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the Lambeau Mystique stuff probably took a significant hit in 2003. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Vic, yeah. 100%. With Vic, just because they had what never lost no. Favre or something right. like under when the temperature was under the freezing mark. Or yeah. something like that, and it was like no one goes into Lambo, and then it was snowing. It was it was snowing. Place. It was Saturday night. I think everybody was like, "There's no way the Packers can lose." I mean, if like gambling was a thing back in like you know, if it was as big as it is now, everyone would be like, "Oh, Beth Packers, Beth Packers, Beth Packers," yeah. and people would have lost significance, and probably people did, like probably to their bookies and stuff like that in Vegas. But people lost tons of money on that Packer game because that was definitely unexpected and no one saw it coming that Michael Vick and, and Atlanta would kick our ass. Fast forward, I think two games later, 2008, January, 2008, the Giants, terrible yeah. game. Sorry, that it was, was the 07 season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And then, I mean, yada, yada, yada from there on. I mean, they lost. Oh, right. The I mean, 2000, Right, 2011, sure, but like the Packers, that was the first NFC Championship game. The Packers had lost at Lambeau, the Tampa game, since 2007. Like all their other championship losses have been on the road. And into it, like I think the thing that gets lost in a lot of this, and and this will wrap us up with the playoffs talk at least, is like Green Bay always just seems to be like not at full strength and just limping in like they limped into that Atlanta one when they got their asses kicked they were never that good in 2019 they just were kind of smoking mirroring their way through that season San Francisco was clearly the better team they got their asses kicked by San Francisco in November and what was this thing that anything would change in January San Francisco was easily the best team that year they just had so many guys and they were so good that season. And Tampa Bay, you had the Bakhtiari thing. And Seattle, you had a good shot to win that game. And you should have won that game. But they were nine-point underdogs. I mean, they were not expected to win that game at all. And it, it's like, this is your opportunity. Like, to me, like, this is the best team the Green Bay Packers have had since 2010. And even that team you know, was basically they kind of came together late. They kind of got on a run similar to what we're seeing with Buffalo, um, a little bit of Kansas City. I think Kansas City's a little late stage, maybe a little bit of what the Rams, like they got hot late. And Green Bay is just been sustainably good all year. And they're just so deep. And hopefully some of these guys get back. I talked about on the podcast yesterday, 
But if they don't, like I think this team can this team can win a Super Bowl. I just feel very confident that I that I have in years past. And if I get my I heart think, broken again, I get my heart broken again. Yeah. Well, that's part of being a Packer fan. I mean, when you're in it every oh, yeah. year. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you can that's why I'm sitting here looking at the playoff history. That's you know, people don't talk enough about the twenty eleven loss. I mean, that's that's brutal. Oh yeah. I mean, they were they came out of the Super Bowl. They were, I mean, that was probably the best Packer team I've ever seen, 2011. I mean, they just kicked everyone's ass. Now they had the random loss down the stretch to the Chiefs that year, which got Romeo Cornell, Cornell another head coaching job. But Correct. that team was, was perfect. And they fucking got their ass kicked in their first playoff game by the Giants in Lambeau, which is – now the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl that year, I believe, again. So yeah. – um, another one of their flukes but yeah and people i don't know yeah talk I, about 20, 2014 and we talk about not really 2016 too much just because that team was so decimated and that you know that you can see i suppose but it just seems like people just block that out of their memory yeah the 2011 team was really just their their defense was so fucking bad man and because they were so bad like we it was maybe a little smoke and mirrorsy, unfortunately, and and not to say like that Giants team we should have lost to we shouldn't have, but the Giants had had the Packers number and they just knew what it, they needed to do to beat Green Bay and they did it and they took Green Bay to the wire earlier that year. Uh, they went back and forth. I think that was that same year where Aaron Rodgers gets a field goal to beat. Uh, beat them but it was like a 42 or 38 35 game like it was not it was definitely in tow but yeah it sucks like that year was not fun and you thought the I mean, was well, their, their defense wasn't wasn't that bad that year uh hold on let me now now your their defense was terrible they had they just blew everybody out they just had i'm now gonna have to pull up football outsiders um to say <laughs> what the dvoa was back in that what their defensive DVOA was in 2011 now, because you're upsetting me. It, it, it doesn't get, I just think that's why it doesn't get talked about because they got exposed by Romeo Cornell. He gave people a game plan and said, okay, so offensive DVOA, they were, and DVOA is like an advanced metric that a lot of people use that people are also saying is the reason why the Packers won't win a Super Bowl this year because their DVOA is very high. They were the number two team in DVOA that year. They had the number one offense, but they had the 26th ranked defense that year. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't work out. Now the Giants didn't have that great of a defense either that year and won the Super Bowl. But 26th is not that's not a good defense by any any way, any shape of the word. So I don't know. 2011 is an interesting one, and maybe it's worth a, a revisit at some point of like what could have been and that dynasty dynasty interrupted, I guess be the way to describe that. But yeah, that, that Packer offense was incredible for months and months to come, but I, I'd have to go back and look at a lot of the different nuances and see about injuries and a bunch of other shit. So we'll see, we'll see what happens in January, February and, uh, and ride it out. It could be, could be awesome or it could be hell and moving to the NBA where it was awesome uh, this summer. Um, there are 
people are starting to wake up about the NBA. Christmas is over. It's like, oh, the NBA. We got to talk about the NBA. Giannis MVP. It's like, guys, we at least wait on that till like fucking February, Jan, maybe March. Like, just settle down. And the Bucks are one of the best teams in the NBA, as they were last year. Um, they are, what, now 14-2 and two when Giannis, Drew, and Chris all play. Is that correct? Sounds about right, yeah. I think they have two losses. I think one was Miami. And another was a bad one, maybe. Yeah, yeah there was I, a bad I, one. Yeah, but sounds right. 14 and two with all their guys. So it's like, yeah, the Bucks record, they are third in the East right now, uh, behind the Bulls by a half game and by Brooklyn by two games, and only ahead of Miami by by a half game as well. So those four teams are kind of the teams with Cleveland and Philly sort of just hanging around out there. But the Bucks, I think, would be considered the favorite out of the East right now. Um, I, and I think they might be the favorite in all of the NBA, just given the struggles that the Western Conference is currently having. And I guess what I ask you, Mitch, and is, is there moves, how we're doing these rankings, is moves that other teams would make where you would be like, shit, the Bucs could be in trouble here, or they ha- we have to take this team a little more seriously if they get and it doesn't have to be a player. Like we we just could talk about a move that they could make that would significantly change things. Do you do you have one? And do you have like a top one where a team gets somebody and you're like, shit, that's gonna really affect. You don't have to actually name the guy though. Don't worry about that. I know yours, so I don't want to take it. No, uh, no, no. You can take you can take it. It's fine. No, I no, no. That's all right. I got I got one. I got another one. Um I think it's just Brooklyn getting Kyrie. Oh. And, I didn't expect that's and, a good zag. Well, yeah. No, I mean, continue, continue. Sorry. Because as as Brooklyn stands right now, they they don't scare me that much. That's without Kyrie, just because I think James Harden is I'm not going to call him washed. He's thirty but, pounds overweight. That's that's what it I is. Mean, he's just fat. Yeah, I mean that's like, I mean that's what it is. It's not he's washed. He's just fat. Correct. I mean Kevin Durant still scares me. Always will. But James Harden doesn't do a lot for me. Patty Mills probably scares me more than James Harden, <laughs> yeah. just just because Patty Mills doesn't miss. Joe Harris right. probably scares me more than even though he's hurt. So I know he was awful in the playoff series last year, which did a lot to you know for my mental health because <laughs> I I thought that dude was going to just kill us. Um, <clears throat> so I but getting them getting Kyrie they were a different team with Kyrie. You know, people were like, well, James Harden was hurt too. But again, I, he doesn't scare me. When I, when Kyrie got hurt, that was, that was a huge, a huge break um, for the Bucks last year. But I think him coming back, we'll see how that shit plays out. That's going to be a weird one. Um, just with him being a part-time player, the Nets decided that it was, that it was okay. I, I'm not surprised that, that they are bringing him back just because, they probably didn't need the circus for the first two months, but now with the way everything's gone and, you know, I do think the COVID problems are going to subside in the next couple of weeks. They have yep. to, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to get any, it's not going to get any worse. So um, I think that angle of it, like, well, they're, you know, they're down COVID guys, you know, because or they're down guys because of COVID they need all hands on deck now. I mean, yes, but that's not going to be a problem in two or three weeks anyway. So, um, 
uh, yeah. So Ky- Kyrie coming back to the Nets. Do you is think? Do you think probably really- the oh, most God. scary thing? Yeah. No, I, I think that's that is a worry. I do wonder, are they bringing Kyrie back so they can trade him? Because if they, if basically Kyrie is there for, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, like, can they showcase Kyrie for a month and a half and then why deal him? so why would they want to trade him? Just because he's and, been and, such and, a, he's and, been such a fucking headache and Durant's done with him. It would be Durant's and fault. Who are they gonna get? I, I don't know. I'm just just asking the question. I know that people have said Perzingis, but I don't I don't really know what Perzingis does for them, um, honestly. No. And and I, I don't think do that. that's a good please, one. please do that. I I would love that. <laughs> uh like yeah, I agree. Like Kyrie would be a factor, but like if New York doesn't change or New York City doesn't change their their back their vaccine mandate stuff, like Kyrie can't play in the playoffs. Like he, he's gonna like he's only gonna play at, at road games in the playoffs. So you're right. It does add a factor, but it's so weird. And I, I know hard and say it's going to be a seamless transition and all this other stuff, but I, I just, I don't know, maybe it will. And maybe I'm just an idiot, but we'll, I'll be curious to watch. That's a good one though. I, I like that one. Um, number two for me, or like where I would rank something, I'll go with Philadelphia getting a really good perimeter player. I think Philly's good. Um, I think Embiid's having a really good season. Um, He's been as healthy, I think, as he's been. He had a little bit of an injury, but was that COVID or an injury? I can't remember. I think it was COVID. He had COVID. Yeah, yeah, he had COVID. Uh, No, he had had COVID before everything got crazy. So I think he had Delta versus the Omicron now. Uh, But Embiid's been really good this year, and the Sixers have been all right. They just don't have that perimeter guy that you could say, all right, they are a real threat. Like Tyrese Maxey. And uh, his name escaped me. Curry's brother. Uh, and, uh, Steph Curry. Steph, thanks. Steph Curry, they, they don't scare me. Like, right? Danny Green doesn't scare me. You get a guy like Damian Lillard, who I know Lillard said he's not going to be traded. Even a guy like C.J. McCollum. I doubt they would trade that the Spurs would trade Deontay Murray, who's looked like a superstar. But, like, they they need to they need to get some sort of perimeter player it, with a Ben Simmons deal. And if they get that perimeter player, is that going to elevate Philadelphia and create a real issue? Because I think Embiid, even though Giannis has done well against Embiid, Embiid is the one guy that I worry about with Giannis in a seven-game series. Like, that would be such a fucking war if Giannis and Embiid are going at each other for seven games. I kind of want to see it, just because I want Giannis to be the king. Like, I just want Giannis to rule over every fucking person. So he's already taken care of Durant. Like, he still has that Embiid. He still has that LeBron skid out there. Like, I want to get Embiid. But I do know that if they fought, <laughs> faced each other in the playoffs, it would be it would be so taxing on Giannis. Yeah, that would be – and it would be taxing on us. I mean, Oh, God. Be... Oh, taxing on you. <laughs> that would be... I, would, I would have to check in like your dad's been checking in on COVID like every day with you because like <laughs> you hate Philly more than I think Republicans hate Democrats. Like you fucking, you can't stand Philly. And I think if Philly were to win, like if Philly's up 2-1 against us, you are just going to be full panic mode. Like you, that would be so, there would be a lot there. So yeah, I, I'd be worried about your mental yeah. health for that series. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I don't like the Sixers. I don't like <laughs> I don't like Joel Embiid. I don't really like Ben Simmons. But, you know, my thing with that is I, I just – I have this whole process with Ben Simmons. I've had a really hard time figuring out what the move is for them. Right. To, because, yes, they're missing something, no doubt. Obviously, they're missing a, a max contract slot, basically. I mean, to that's like – that's like the Bucks. Okay, Chris Middleton's gone, right? Yeah. Like just that'd be like like he just disappeared, and you know, you can some nights you can overcome that, but then there's other nights where you're playing better teams and stuff where you're just you you need something from, you know, you can't just have a third of your 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 cap sheet gone. Right. You know, you, you gotta you gotta have somebody. And I just I don't know what the what the fair move is for them, just because I. <clears throat> like if you're San Antonio, why would you want Ben Simmons? Right. And let alone trading DeJounte Murray right. or, I mean, one of those guys or, you know, like with Portland, Portland to me has always made the most sense, but yeah. they're not getting fucking Damian Lillard. And it, it's probably CJ McCollum who probably doesn't fall on their quote unquote list that Philly has for possible, you know, returns for Simmons. But to me, like, that's probably what you're going to get it, because let, Portland Portland probably is looking to to break those guys up regardless of what they say. <laughs> they have to be. And, you know, that's sort of maybe where Ben Simmons' trade value is right now. And I think McCollum would help, would help the Sixers. But if you're Boston, would you trade Jason Tatum for Ben Simmons? No. Because, okay. Just curious. Because, like, I look at Boston and I don't think I don't think Tatum and Brown work. I really don't. I think the vibes are bad on that team. They lost to a, a G League Timberwolves team after, you know, the Bucks game this week. Like and Odoku ripped into his team after it. Like I I just don't know. Like I don't know what what needs to happen there, but I, I just feel like well, we need to shake it up. That's it is a it is a tough one because um, man, I had a I, spicy I, take. But, no, I, I know. Oh, go ahead. Well, J- Jalen Brown is probably better than Jason Tatum. Yeah, see, that's uh, the thing. Like, I, I, I think, think and, I and I, but I think it's really hard to like. I think it's really hard to um, to realize that. I guess I don't know how to explain. Like, no, it's, know, it's, the, na- it's the national media loves Jason Tatum because he's he's points per game, and he's friends I, with Kobe. I definitely. Yeah. yeah well. Yeah, who isn't though? But I mean, Jalen Brown is, I think, the much better basketball player. So it's 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 hard to hard to decide. And you you'd think they could both coexist. I, I don't know why they can't. Um, I, I think the team around him sucks. That's that's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, that's what let the Boston Celtics be, you know, exhibit A of of hoarding draft picks and then not using them properly. You know, I mean, they had all those picks and what yep. from the Garnett and, you know, the, the heist of the greatest trade of all time. They had all those picks. And what do they get out of it? A 500 basketball team? I mean, yep. this, is, this is really what this is really, you know, this is the finished product, I guess. Right. <laughs> Which is why I'd be so I'd be so frustrated to be a Boston fan. Yeah, because you blew it. Oh, Danny yeah. Ainge blew no. it. You no question. Him. No question. About and now he and now and now he left the organization high and dry. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. He's in Utah. I, I think Boston, Boston is a mess. I just, it was one of those things to throw out there where I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, I would keep Jalen Brown. And it's be, it's also because Tatum has, is such a usage guy. Sorry, I'm dying. Um, <laughs> Me too, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We're, we're getting through this. Sorry, the dry air on this side, you're the Omicron. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll get it going as much as we can here. Um, but, um, so do you have a, uh, do you have a uh, third or another thing where you're like, wow, that would, that would be an issue or that would be something that would definitely be considered, whether it would be Chicago, whether it be Golden State, Phoenix. Um, yeah. Is there another team where you're looking at it and you're like, wow, if they make a move, like, look out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the teams kind of, kind of are what they are. You know, I haven't, I'm trying to think of something with the Bulls, but we haven't played the Bulls yet. So, right. which is hilarious, but, um, you know, so I don't really know kind of what they look like. I think that they're a, a pretty good team as they are. Like I'm trying to think Miami, you know, I don't know. I guess their, their big move was to go get Kyle Lowry and they did it. So. Yeah. And, and no one's gonna, and I don't think they're going to move off of Tyler Harrow and like trade for another three-point shooter like that would be maybe the move because no one's taking Duncan Robinson's contract and and I guess it will also depend on Bam Adebayo's injury right is if Bam Adebayo can come back and play in the playoffs then it's fine it's a moot point um but we'll see and if you need to upgrade that center position maybe you do and maybe the Bucks, depending on Brooks' injury, I think that's going to be really the, maybe the fight. The trade deadline is like who's fighting for big man between that. But maybe the Bucks have solved everything with guys like Boogie and Wes Matthews, and they're like, we're good. Like we don't, you know those those are not guaranteed contracts right now that they're going to have to figure out here. I think in the next like week or two, and I'm sure they're going to endorse both. Like I don't see why they wouldn't be kind of foolish not to. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Bucks won't make a move. I do worry a little bit about the Warriors making a move for a big guy, but I also think about their assets and I'm like, they really love Jonathan Kaminga. And you've seen a little bit of Kaminga play and Kaminga has something. I, he's wrong. Like, but, and I, I think maybe in two or three years, he could give a guy like Giannis Fitz. I don't think this year, like I think Giannis would baby him, but you add a little more weight on him. And I think that he's going to be a factor against guys like Giannis, Durant, things like that. But not this year. But can they survive with? Oh, oh man, <clears throat> can they survive? Can they survive without having a true big man? I don't know. And is James Wiseman? Could James Wiseman be that guy? Yeah. I, again, I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions with Golden State. There are some questions. I think as long as Steph and then they're getting clay back at some point. I mean, right. They're, they're a very perimeter oriented team. Um, I think they can get by with Looney if they need to. Mm. I think Looney's a good enough passer and everything. He's not really a scorer per se, but uh, he's, you know, he's good enough. I, I don't know what Golden State's move is. I guess it would be trading some of those young pieces yeah, they have. Good Mooney, Moody for something. And, but I don't. You, I feel like the one they would hang on to is Kaminga. Oh yeah. For a lot of a lot of the reasons that you you laid out there. Um. 
I don't know. I don't know how long Wiseman is for them just because the fucking guy hasn't played. Right. Like at all. Yeah. And going back to college. So it's like, do you trade him while he has some value? Or I don't know. I think I would if I was them. Yeah. Um, Bob Myers is one of the better. He's one of the better GMs out there probably in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Arguably of all time, actually, if you think about it. But, uh, I mean, he didn't draft Curry, but he did give him the, the original extension. That turned out to be, you know, the best value in NBA history. And didn't trade so, and didn't trade Curry when a lot of people wanted him to because Curry was injury prone. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever is said about the potential Bucks trade for Curry, like whether it was on the table, whether it was not on the table, like he didn't pull that trigger to just say, all right, Steph's hurt and we there's nothing we can do with him and we need to get assets for him. They They didn't. So – that's like against maybe trading Wiseman. But I agree. Wiseman reminds me of like a European guy that has a lot of hype, but he hasn't played yet. And everybody knows about this guy, but they're like, well, we haven't seen him on the court. And it's like, just trust me. He's awesome in practice, yada, yada. And maybe yeah, a team, I don't know, like Orlando, let's just throw out there, like looks at it and says, all right, we could get an, a great asset here. And start building our roster around those guys. And like, we have time. Like James Wiseman doesn't have to be great for us right out the box. He can be great for us in two years. And then we're, we're kind of where Cleveland is right now. I think a lot of teams will look at Cleveland. Like a lot of the, the bottom barrel teams will look at Cleveland and be like, how do we become the next Cavaliers? That's what I would be. If I was, if I were any team that was not in the playoffs right now, I'd be like thinking about how do I make my team like the Cavaliers? going forward because they've obviously had this incredible start and I don't think it's fluky. I think they've put together a really good roster and I always like Jared Allen. I really like them Mobley and they have a, enough guards and Garland sexing, like it all works. So I don't know. Well, and Rubio's looks sounds like he might've torn his ACL or something. Oh, really? So, oh, Rubio got hurt yeah. last night. I know they lost he last did. night. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that they had lost because Garland's in protocols now too with Mobley. Um, but I didn't know Rubio got hurt last night. That's a that's a significant issue for them. Yeah. So I mean, but I they're a unique situation where they have Rubio, they have Kevin Love coming off the bench, you know, all these veteran guys off the bench. You had the number two pick who you took probably I mean, Cade Cunningham was, was kind of a sure thing, but you definitely took the next, the next most sure thing with Evan Mobley, a guy everybody liked, a guy who fits the modern NBA. I mean, they're kind of a unique situation. And, you know, you go out and you spend a bunch of money for Lowry Markkinen, which who knows how long they hang on to him. Uh, I would imagine all season, but who knows going yeah. into next year or whatever. But um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean they they've spent they spent a lot of money on their team. I'm, I mean I'm not I'm not that surprised, but they've they've withstood like Colin Sexton hasn't played much. I don't think he's played at all this year. He's yeah. been hurt, so uh, he's played a little bit. I think I'll I'll go check that out. But yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, they I mean they're they have veteran guys who are willing to come off the bench, which you know for a team that's not not supposed to be great, that's not always the case. So, I mean, they're, you know, give the coach a lot of credit. I believe it's J.B. Bickerstaff. Yep. Give him give him a lot of credit. I mean, we see, we've seen the Bucks 
play them, I think twice now, once with, once with a, a semblance of a team and then COVID rock bottom, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, go, that was a, that, that game. You could, that's one of the few other box season you can just throw right, right. The fuck out. And you're like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Does it matter at all? So we'll see. Well, we're, as we both, you know, we'll have some c- careful edits. Uh, the, the audience will not hear us struggling through this as we, uh, we have, we're cleared out our morning, uh, morning coughs. We'll wrap up really quickly. We don't have to go blow by blow, but top moments of 2021. The Bucks to me, like, I'm going to do a big thing on the Bucks tomorrow, so I won't do too much. But I'll, all I'll say is the Bucks won 2021 for the state of Wisconsin. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Um, just everything about that was incredible. It will be what we remember from 2021. Um, I, you know, I, whether it's the games itself, whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo's performance, whether it's, you know, the playoff run itself, whether it's the Deer District. I mean, feel free to take it anywhere you want, Mitch, but, like, I don't think there is a moment that comes close to what happened with the Bucks for the state of Wisconsin in 2021. No, I don't, nothing sports-wise would even, I mean, even in the world, nothing no. comes close to, to that <laughs> just because it's, I mean, when you consider where where we were, you know, kind of coming out of, you know, the original pandemic, if you will, where, you know, things were things were pretty much finally back to normal, and we got a good month or six weeks there to to enjoy it, and <clears throat> maybe almost two months, but um, to bring everyone together like that too, and. and you know, in one spot in the name of Bucks basketball was, was, was pretty awesome and, and very special. And the whole thing, I mean, you pretty much laid it out. It's, you know, Giannis finally broke through and after, I mean, we know how hard he works and I mean, just the, some of the crap that he had to put up with and, you know, in, in the media, and I know he doesn't care about any of that stuff, thank God, but um, it just, yeah, I mean, Who'd have thunk it, right? Yeah, and it's, and and it happened in twenty twenty one, right? And it's it's kind of it's kind of incredible that it happened the year the year of his super extension. Like he signs this max deal, and they win the title, and immediately justifies signing it. Like and and we've been burned as Milwaukee and Wisconsin sports fans. You know, Christian Yelich, obviously the premier example of that, where. They sign a big deal and then they go to shit. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, typical, yada, yada. Like, no, there was none of that. It was Giannis paid his debt immediately. And as you said, like, oh, it might be the world. Like, I was thinking about it. It it is probably the best championship of 2021. Now, I know we're biased, but if you think about it, like where the Bucs came from, the bubble, all the issues, all the negativity around Milwaukee and around that team and that they could never win it, that Giannis was never the guy, like, as you said, the bullshit that he put through, it's the best championship out of him because Tampa Bay, okay, cool, Tom Brady every, every year, oh, it's Brady, fine. Tampa Bay Lightning, A, no one cares, B, it's a repeat. No, Again, no one no one gives a fuck. Alabama, again, every year it's Alabama. What, what's, what fucking changes? Um Baseball, yeah, the Braves had a Bucks-like kind of thing, but 
uh, there's not that scrutiny with baseball. There just isn't, right? Like, yeah. there there's just not that. Like, it's cool the Braves won the title. Like, they, you know, beat over, beat over a Houston team, but it was kind of a forgettable World Series. It kind of – the baseball kind of petered out, uh, and maybe it was because the Braves had knocked out my Brewers and our Brewers, I should say, not my Brewers. Um, and – but like you just look at that title and you're like, how are the Bucks not the top team? And the other one I forgot was Baylor for basketball. But the NCAA tournament was kind of Mickey Mouse-ish. Like there was, it was limited fans. It was in <clears> one <throat> area. It was, it was more like the 2020 bubble than anything else. So I'm not like I'm not discrediting what Baylor did. They had an excellent basketball team, but it really wasn't that great of a title. Like it's not one that I'm going to be telling my kids about. And, and I understand that it's Milwaukee and yeah, I'm biased, but there was just so much to that title that there were multiple times in that stretch where we thought the Bucks might lose. Like I still remember doing a podcast with you after being down 2-0 to Brooklyn. You guys can go back and listen to it. Not that you want to, maybe if you're a masochist, but like we thought the Bucks were dead. Like we thought the Bucks were yeah. in the ground. We thought Rick Carlisle was going to be the coach of our team. Like, that was that was it, like and who, yeah. It, I mean, I was I, I was I was asked after that game too against Brooklyn when we got routed. I mean, just completely. Oh yeah, destroyed. we got shit Like yeah, um, it was awful. What what I was asked what percent chance um, I give the Bucks, and I think I said less than five. And I have since gotten shit for that by by this person, but um, but yeah, what do you want? I mean, what do you want me to say? Like. Yeah. This guy killed to go down 2-0, and, you know, they bounce back. They bounce yeah. back. And I think, too, we should mention, like, sort of the positive impact that Giannis winning his idol has on the sport. Yeah, um, 100%. Like, just how, you know, the NBA has, you know, had PR nightmare after PR nightmare, basically, just with, you know. And I'm talking, like, LeBron going to Miami which I think really chipped away at, you know, middle America's, I guess, loyalty toward the sport or affinity for the sport. And then when Durant went to Golden State, that sort of killed that completely. And then it's like, you know, Giannis is kind of all that's good in sports. And, you know, not that LeBron and Kevin Durant are terrible, terrible people, but I, I think that, well, but I think that, um, you know, Giannis's story and, and everything is, and him staying with the team that drafted him and winning a championship right off the bat of his Supermax suspension is, um, you know, fairy tale stuff. And I think that's, it's, it was a way to certainly reel in, I think, the, the middle American in Wisconsin, but I think there are a lot of people across the country and across the world that, you know, I read a lot of, I'm on YouTube a lot. I read a lot of comments. I watch a lot of Bucks videos and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that are like, man, I haven't watched the NBA in 20 years or 25 years. And this kid has brought me back. So I think awesome. that can't be understated. Yeah. So, no, I, I completely agree in that. That is a, <clears throat> as I struggle again, that is a great place to uh, leave us. And I think that's a great way to wrap up our last show of 2021. Um, it says it perfectly. And yeah, we'll see you next year uh, as the cliche corporate lingo <laughs> speak. Um, we'll have 
the final podcast for me before I go to Hawaii. Um, so we'll have to figure that one out during the playoffs, but we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And uh, yeah, everybody have a good new year. Stay safe. Do whatever you got to do uh, for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. A lot of sports on. You're just going to, you're pillared with sports. Not only do you have, not only do you have all the bowl games, you have Marquette plays on, on New Year's Day as long as there's no COVID issues. Bucks play on New Year's Day. Um, you'll have a lot of college hoops going on too. I mean, it's, it's perfect, man. So all sorts of sports. Football is still going strong. It's crazy to think that it's not the last week of the season this week. Um, it's nuts. And, yeah, some of us are going to try to win a couple uh, fantasy championships and see if we can get it done. We'll see. Yeah, good luck. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, guys, have a good one. We'll uh, talk tomorrow. Peace. Peace.